0: Our first, this I believe, speaker this morning is Teal Bassett. Many of you may be familiar with Teal because, in addition to being a worship associate and sharing chalice lighting words with us regularly, she's head of our greeting team, and she and her family can often be found in the lobby there greeting folks as they come in. Eric, Linnea, and Elsa are really proud of Teal for sharing her story this morning. So please give Teal a very generous welcome.
1: Good morning. morning. What an honor it is to be in front of my congregation. I have so much respect for this space and all of you, so thank you for this opportunity to tell you a little bit about who I am and my spirituality. My childhood was very normal. My mom's main role was caretaker of the household, while my father's was working outside the home. I have two siblings. I'm in the middle. We grew up in Stillwater, where I still reside today. My parents didn't take us to church and were not interested in raising their children in a religious environment. However, my maternal and paternal grandparents were very religious, one Lutheran and the other Catholic. And when I visited my grandparents during holidays or for a long weekend, I attended church with them. I remember being in awe of the ritual and the prayers. Even though I didn't really understand what it meant, church felt special and pious. As I got older into my teens, most of my friends attended church and I was invited to a lot of social events involving a youth group or something similar. My best friend was Baptist. She spent a lot of time trying to get me to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. She didn't want me to go to hell, but I had too many questions that she couldn't answer and eventually she let go of trying to save me. And when I went to these youth group special events I felt out of place and uncomfortable. Even though I was fascinated in the belief systems of these organizations, I did not believe them myself. I decided church wasn't for me. My father was diagnosed with with lymphoma when I was 12, and he was sick for two years, ultimately dying from a bone, from complications of a bone marrow transplant. While I was still forming my understanding of what religion was, I was thrust into the chaotic world of heartbreak and grief, where many, Too many well-meaning people told me things like, God needed him in heaven, or trust in God's plan. Those sentiments were not comforting at all and further distanced me from God. Thankfully, Dad was able to share with me some of his beliefs before he passed, which helped me understand that spirituality isn't always found in church and a God. Dad didn't believe in heaven or hell. But he did believe that he would become a part of the earth again and his spirit would move on. There is comfort in knowing that dad is still all around me in nature. My mother's spirituality influenced me as well. Her career is in energy and body mechanics work through Reiki and cranial sacral massage. She is a healer and has changed many lives as a therapeutic body worker. She taught me that our ancestors' energy is within me, their strength and love, which I can call upon to encourage me in times of crisis and for healing. After my dad died, life went on as it does, no matter how heartbroken I was. And I went on to college, Gustavus Adolphus College, a small liberal arts school in the Lutheran tradition. I mainly studied world religions and sociology. My own personal ideas of spirituality were not represented in what I was studying. I was left with the understanding that I could study and admire, but not belong. However, I was developing my own personal spirituality. During my senior year of college, I had the privilege of singing in the Gustavus Concert Choir. And, well, that felt like a religious experience. I was singing with 80 of my peers, making beautiful music, just for the sake of making beautiful music. We had different backgrounds, different stories, different beliefs, but we were working together to create some incredible music that many, many people appreciated. I was experiencing a phenomenon called collective effervescence, originally devised by sociologist Emile Durkheim, which is the feeling of energy and harmony when people are engaged in a shared purpose. Wow, I liked being a part of a shared purpose, full of energy and harmony. I was in the presence of the beauty of what humanity could create. We weren't fighting about who was right or wrong or who might be saved or condemned. We were just a crew of awkward 20 year olds making something special together. And that is where I look for spirit in music and art and parades and even the women's march. People coming together with a shared purpose to improve our existence in this chaotic world. I believe in that. After graduation, I stopped singing in choirs, but I did find something else that helped me find spirit. I practice yoga to find that feeling of effervescence individually. During the end of a particularly sweaty yoga class, the instructor asked us to lie quietly on our mats, and she guided us through a meditation. The class was asked to notice our heart beating and to fill it with loving, tender energy. Then she asked us to send that energy out into the room to watch it swirl around and to let it land on our fellow classmates. Suddenly I could see everyone's beautiful love energy floating around me. I allowed it in while sharing my own love. It was human love swirling around. That feels like spirit. I don't believe in the traditional Christian God, but I do believe that we are all God, full of love, strength, and wisdom, which we can share with one another. In concluding my beliefs, I love being a Unitarian Universalist. I am lifted up through our rituals. I am reminded of my dad when we worship and care for the earth. I feel that collective effervescence when we sing and I swirl you all with my love energy, including from my ancestors. So indeed, I am a spiritual person with religious beliefs. My young heartbroken self would never believe it, but here I am, belonging. Life goes on as it does, and I am here with you and for you. And my gal Taylor Swift sings it best best believe i'm still bejeweled when i walk in the room i can still make the whole place shimmer
2: <laughs>
0: our next this i believe speaker is Ginny Johansson, who with her beloved ingrid has been a member of the congregation since 2017. Ginny is a former nursing professor and an avid outdoors person. She is an invaluable member of the land stewardship team, bringing her chainsaw several times in the last couple of years, including cutting up a tree that fell in our parking lot and hauling the wood away all single-handedly. Ginny is unable to be with us in person today and you will understand why when you see her video. But we recorded this video here in the sanctuary uh, right after Christmas time. So you will see our greenery in the background. Please give a generous applause to Ginny today.
2: Hello, my name is Ginny Johansson. My pronouns are she, her. Here's my situation. I have glial blastoma with a few months left. This is not a death sentence. It's a gift. This gives me enough time to tell people how much they mean to me, to get my affairs in order, to do a few bucket list things like we want to go out to the Native American Museum in Washington, DC. It gives me enough time to say goodbye. There are only two things that I really believe. Nothing else, everything else is just theories and and questions. So, number one, God is love. love. Number two is love never dies. I consider myself a happy agnostic. I don't believe God can be fully known or defined by our finite, limited minds, labeled or put into a box with rules and regulations attached. But love seems like a broad enough concept to be useful. I often substitute love for Lord or our Father in sacred texts. For example, love is my shepherd, I shall not want. And, yes, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for love is with me. Love restores my soul. I see God in all your faces, full of love and compassion, and all your offers of help in this time of crisis for me and Ingrid. I see God in nature. A friend once asked me, during a very skeptical stage of my life, How can you look up at that beautiful night sky and not believe in God? So I had to think about that. And I did think about it. And I realized the true miracle was not necessarily the night sky, but the fact that we have the eyes to see it, and we have the minds to comprehend it, and we have the hearts to be moved to awe by it. I had the same mind-blowing experience when I took biochemistry in college and I had to memorize on a molecular level all the complex steps of photosynthesis aerobic and anaerobic respiration and other truly miraculous workings of the human body of course I forgot the details as soon as the final exam was over but I was left with the same sense of awe at the complexity of it all Lewis Thomas who also wrote um the medusa and the snail and he was president of memorial sloan kettering cancer institute talked about this massive endorphin release at the time of death so that people and animals don't die in horrible pain in a world where everyone dies and i'm thinking hmm seems like there's no survival value in that process when the animal or the human's already dying So you can't really chalk it up to evolution or survival of the fittest. So another awe-inspiring coincidence? Or is it a sign of a merciful God of love? Maybe. So am I afraid of dying? No, not at all. I am afraid of what my loss might do to Ingrid and my other loved ones but I know they will have help, as will I. I know many hospice nurses and I know my pain, shortness of breath and any other problems that come up will be managed and Ingrid will not see me and not remember me struggling. So where will I draw the line at further treatment? Well, when it will no longer do any good and decrease the quality of my remaining time or when it will destroy my personality, who I am. I have a lot of questions about what comes next, maybe I'll get some answers, maybe not, but I do have a lot of theories. So number one, reincarnation. Everybody likes a do-over, right? But many world religions consider it a trap until you reach nirvana. So, mm, okay, maybe. Uh, Number two, maybe you get whatever you truly believe at the moment of death. There is some quantum theory that supports this, not that I'm a, a physicist, but um, it would explain to me the traditional Christian's drive to save souls even at the very last minute by acceptance of Jesus as our Savior. I don't know. Number three, maybe there's no such thing as linear chronological time and we get to go back to chosen previous experiences over and over. Wouldn't that be nice? Is linear time just a way for us to navigate this existence with our limited minds and be able to function in this world? Maybe. Maybe. Functional MRIs show memory is as powerful as the original experience. And number four, maybe death and all the material world are illusions. This is what I was taught to believe as a Christian scientist when I was growing up. And it does fit with some, in, with some Eastern religions. Because death might not be real, maybe we never die. Or maybe we've died over and over and just not really known it. Maybe we have such a seamless transition with the same old problems we still have to solve. I expect something goes on. If radio waves and other forms of energy go on across the universe forever, why wouldn't something as resilient and strong as the human spirit also go on? I don't necessarily expect any answers to anything just because I die. My mother was a very wise and loving woman, right up to her ending. She saved our family with her kindness in spite of profound dementia in her last few months. She considered dying the last great adventure. In second grade, I took my pet chicken to show and tell. She died when I got home and I cried. And my mother told me, we don't really know what happened. Just because you can't see her anymore or cuddle with her, doesn't mean she hasn't flown back to her mommy who taught her to be so cuddly. And I've always remembered that. So how am I really doing? How is Ingrid doing? We are in a place of peace and gratitude. We have so much beauty, love, and joy in our lives. I've had meaningful work with my patients and my nursing students and the ripple effect of all of that. And I have music. I wake up singing most mornings. A neighbor made me a dream catcher to hang in the east window of my bedroom in honor of her brother who died of brain cancer shortly after my own little brother also died of brain cancer. In the middle is a crystal that scatters rainbows around the room when the morning light hits it. And this is a line from an old lesbian folk song by Chris Williamson called Like an Island Rising that I wake up singing. And I'd like to share this song with you. So one last word. I love you all more than you will ever know. Thank you.